All right, there you go. There you go. Everybody who's over 45 or watches TV with their grandparents got what that was all about, so... It's awesome. Well, welcome, welcome everybody online. Welcome Montrose. I miss seeing you guys in person, but you get to see me, so we're okay. But it's uh, it's good to uh, to be with all of us this weekend and uh, and to connect. We've been in a series. Uh, these last few weeks called Toxic, and we've been talking about relationships uh, because we believe that relationships are the foundation of our lives, right? So we can, we can have all the money in the world, all the success in the world, and if we don't have good relationships, it robs all the joy and the meaning out of all of those things. So life kind of starts from relationships and moves up, and as a Christ follower, uh, we would say that life starts with our relationship with Jesus and moves up from there. And so that's the foundation off of which we interact with God and then af- how we interact with each other. And we've been talking about toxic relationships, uh, relationships that are mutually destructive, relationships that maybe are pulling you away from Christ, etc., etc., etc. And we're saying, what can we do to bring health and to bring healing and to bring Christ-likeness to those relationships and looking and saying it's important, especially as a Christ follower, my relationship with you does not define my relationship with you. My relationship with Christ defines my relationship with you. So how you treat me doesn't necessarily reflect how I treat you, but how Jesus loves me and has changed me, that is what my definition is. So last few weeks been talking about it. It's online, it's on the website, uh, it's podcast, it's all there. Grab hold of that and we would love for you to catch up with it. Uh, this week what I wanna do is kind of move us forward in the conversation a little bit Last weekend, we talked about this idea of how do we detoxify conflict, right? So when relationships break down, that winds up being conflict. What do we bring to the table to detoxify that conflict? This weekend, I want to talk about how do we detoxify our own hearts? So when my heart fills up with things that do not honor God and builds kind of barriers between you and me, what can we do to detoxify our own heart and to move forward in our relationship with God? So God says some real interesting things that on the surface feel like almost impossible to live out, but when you kind of inject the power of God, when I choose to follow Jesus and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and God empowers his Holy Word, the Bible, and I'm surrounded by God's people, it gives me new tools to create a a, a new pathway to make a new me, right? So how can I do that in certain commandments that God gives me that feel overwhelming in my own power, but I kind of know that in God's power, it's how he would have me to live and I can actually do it. So let me give you an example of this. When we think about detoxifying our own hearts, the apostle Paul writing on God's behalf would say, right, that's exactly what you need to do. He would say things like this in Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So if I'm a Christ follower and I see this in the Bible, 
I would look at that and say, that's what God wants. In fact, he's commanding me to do that. He's like, you need to do this. I would look at that and I would say, uh, that feels like a really, really tall order. Like if I could stop being mad at my ex or stop being bitter at my dad or not feel like I have to defend myself when somebody attacks me, I, I feel like I would have done that a long time ago if I could just like snap my fingers and make that happen. So I know God wants me to do it. And I even know why he wants me to do it. I forgive one another just as God through Christ forgave you. So God forgives me and forgives me freely. My relationship with God is supposed to define my relationship with you. So I even get the motive, like God forgives me so I should forgive you. But like pulling this off feels overwhelming. And what happens is we'll run into like, you know, a, a pastor will teach about it or somebody will talk to us about it and we'll have reinforced that we should do it and that Jesus did it for us, but we'll struggle to do it. And so we'll feel guilty or we'll feel defeated because once again, I'm supposed to get rid of these things, but I, I can't do that. I'm supposed to detoxify my heart, but I struggle to do it right now. Why does God want me to do that? Because when my heart is filled with bitterness, anger, rage, slander, harsh words, when my heart is filled with those toxins, it's pushing out what God wants to do. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So Paul says, let's make room in our heart for what God wants to do. I'm open to it, I understand the motive. It just is, it's hard to do. And maybe you haven't had a lot of victory with it. So last weekend, I told you, I'm gonna teach you a very simple principle. If you grew up in church at all, it's, you probably heard it before, but it has a very profound effect on our life when it's empowered by God. This weekend, I'm gonna do the same thing. Teach a very simple principle. Nothing, you're, nothing's gonna be like, oh my goodness, I never knew that. You're, if you grew up in church at all, that's not the way you're gonna feel this weekend. But if you can allow God to empower this in you, it will change your life and it will change your relationships and God will alter you and set you free of some things on some very, very deep levels. It's not this deep, deep, never saw it, only past, only Dr. Bogue can see that. It's not that at all. But boy, if we get a hold of this truth, see, it would be life-changing. So that's what we're gonna pursue this weekend. So I'm gonna talk to you about where to start with it. Like how do we even start to get our head around it? And then we're gonna do some practical stuff. How do I deal with false offenses and anxieties? How do I deal with the unforgivable when somebody has done something horrific to me? And then at the end, I wanna to talk to you about a radical, life-changing, countercultural, mind-boggling alternative to bitterness. And you're gonna cheer and probably carry me out on your shoulders, right? And so it, I wanna show you that a little bit and, and we'll walk you through all of that, okay? So how do I detoxify my heart? How do I do Ephesians chapter four, right? Paul says this, he says this in Colossians chapter three. He says this, he says, guys, listen, if you're a Christ follower, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults 
and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive one another. He says that again. He says that, Peter says that, Jesus says that. You, we forgive as we've been forgiven. So Paul's talking again, and he says, listen, since you're a Christ follower, I want you to go through this process. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You can listen to it. We have what the Bible calls an old nature, a before Jesus nature. And I accept Jesus as my savior. When I do that, I become a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not weird. It's just spiritual. And God empowers the word of God and the people of God. Those are all new things for me. And Paul says in Ephesians, and he says again in Colossians here, he says, what you should do is you should take off the old nature. It's a deliberative, cognitive, intentional process. I'm going to take off what I was and I'm going to put on who Christ has made me. I'm going to start living in this new power that God has brought into my life through my salvation. So that's what he's talking about here. And he's saying what that's going to look like is tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then what he does is he gives us a really hyper practical way to do this with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive each other. How do I forgive as I've been forgiven in this new nature that I'm putting on? Paul says, well, here's a place to start. You should just start with people's faults and offenses, right? So he was like, just start here. Here's a practical, easy peasy way to start doing this. Start by allowing for people to have faults and by forgiving offenses and just start there. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anybody who offends you, right? And he leans in and he says, this is where I want you to, to start with, okay? Now, here's the thing. It, raise your hand if you're a human being. Raise your hand. Some of you did not, so, right? So raise your hand if you're a human being, right? So if you're a human being, you have faults, right? No matter who you are, you have faults. And if you have faults, what that means is you are going to offend people in your life, right? So your faults are my offenses. And this is what happens in relationships. What human beings do the most and the most naturally is we sin against each other. So we have faults. My faults wind up being your offenses. A fault in the Bible, the definition here, a fault is something that is wrong with me. Right? So I have certain faults that are sinful. I'm very impatient. It's a sinful fault. I'm relatively self-centered. Jeff loves him some Jeff. Right? So those are sinful faults. I have personality faults. Right? I have cultural faults from my family. My family kind of likes to pick on each other and tease each other and yell at each other. And we kind of do it for sport. And, and that's it. In fact, I found out a few years ago that when you come on the staff, the HR people literally say, when Jeff starts picking on you, that means he likes you. That's a fault. That's just messed up. There's some deep counseling that needs to happen there. But so I was raised, right? I was raised with that fault. So faults 
are things that are wrong with me and there's different levels of them. Offenses are some way that I have wronged you. So a fault, something's wrong with me. An offense is some way that I have wronged you. My faults can be your offenses. You bring two people into a relationship. Let's say one of them grew up in a family that's always picking on each other and we think it's funny and we do it for blood sport and we don't stop until somebody cries. Let's just hypothetically pretend that's a situation. And a person like that marries somebody whose family did not do that because they're a little boring, but they did not do that. And so they would say things like this. When you talk to me, you raise your voice. I don't raise my voice. You quit, you're doing it now. How? You're being harsh. What? what you, I'm not harsh. My fault causes an offense. There's something wrong with me. The person that I love needs or wants something different from me. My fault causes an offense. See? And that creates a relational breakdown. It's a cycle. And that cycle starts to play out. I have a fault, somebody is offended. I did something wrong, it hurt them, it offended them, and it took them back. Uh, you might have faults that are something silly, like how you talk and the tone of your voice, or you might have faults that come from your pain. You might be insecure. And there may be all kinds of reasons why you're insecure, legitimate reasons why you're insecure. But you bring that into a relationship, your fault becomes their offense. He's insecure. He gets every time another guy looks at me, he goes and starts to fight about it. And it's ridiculous. And I hate it. And the cycle starts. My insecurity causes an offense. Your offense deepens my insecurity. My insecurity then raises the level of your offense. And we go in a cycle. And if you stay in that cycle long enough, you get into a relational death spiral. Right? It's a fault, it's an offense. That might be a sin. So we'll put sin into this fault category, right? Um, I have, a, I have a, a habit or an addiction. And that habit or that addiction causes your life to blow up. And when I relapse, you're hurt again. And the more hurt you are, the more you withdraw from me, which puts me deeper into a relapse. This is a cycle. And that cycle plays out long enough, all kinds of wounding happens, and you go into a relational death spiral. What do you do about that? Paul says, well, here's something for you. Since you're the child of God, you have a power within you you didn't have before, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, one of the things he does is he helps us to take our thoughts captive. He helps us to bring our, our language, our speech under control. He gives us things like patience, peace, self-control. So what if you, as a new person with new tools that have new kind of options in your life, what if you brought that to bear, ready, and you made an allowance for someone's faults. Okay. I could look at you and say, you know, I know that you always raise your voice and I know your family picks on each other and I know, 
And since I know it, I'm going to choose not to be offended. I know you're insecure. And, and in fact, I know you well. I might even know why you're insecure. And I'm choosing to not be offended by that. I'm actually going to go out of my way to hold your hand instead of withdraw mine from you. I know that you struggle with an addiction. And I know that's been a pattern of your life. And I'm choosing to be a constant in your life and to love you and help you through it. I'm making an allowance for your fault. I'm going to be offended, but I'm going to choose to forgive. See? And Paul comes in and he says, we could break this cycle. And especially if you have the power of the Holy Spirit of God within you, you can make an allowance for somebody's faults. You could choose to forgive when you've been offended. And in doing that, you will forgive as you've been forgiven. Now ready? If you're a Christ follower, you already know how to do this. Because it's being done to you. My faults, God's standard for human beings is not good, it's perfect. Sin is the absence of perfection. And the reason why human beings, when, God, when people say, well, God loves a good person, of course he loves, it. he loves a bad person, he loves a good person. My goodness does not get me in right relationship with God, only perfection does that. That's why Jesus has to give me his perfection because I can't achieve it on my own. God makes an allowance for my faults. He knows that I struggle with an addiction. He knows I'm insecure. He knows I have a weakness. He knows I have childhood wounds that make certain math hard to do for me. He knows all that. And by grace, he loves me and he makes an allowance for my faults. And I offend God all the time. Every day, all day, because I'm not perfect and all imperfections are offensive to a perfect God. You cannot blend imperfection and perfection. They're counter to each other. I offend God all the time and he chooses, see, to forgive my offense. So if I'm a Christ follower and God's helped me to do all this math and I place my life under God's definition of direction, I'm living this relationship all the time. And Jesus would look at us through the word and say, yeah, just do that. Just do that with each other. And, and you will break these cycles and you will start to forgive as you have been forgiven, right? So that's where we start with it. And the question is, so in reality, like in real time in the real world, how do you do that? How do, how do you deal with faults and offenses and anxieties? How do you go about the actual process of allowing for faults, forgiving offenses, and dealing with anxieties that kind of comes out of all of this, right? So we would look at this then and we would say, okay, that's what God wants me to do. That's how God wants me to function. But, 
but what do you actually do, Jeff? Like, I get the principle, but what do you actually do? So let me, let me show you this, okay? So there's a couple verses in the Bible I'll show you. There's a, there's a gazillion I could show you, but I just want to show you these two. We'll use them kind of as examples, all right? So Peter says something like this, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So I'm supposed to take all faults and all offenses and all what becomes my conflict, my anxiety, and I'm to cast that on him. I'm going to get rid of bitterness, anger, slander, malice, all the, and I'm going to give that to Jesus, right? Right, okay. But I feel so offended, I've been so hurt, and I, I, just want, I just want to like lash out. I can hardly control myself, right? Well, then Paul would come back in like in Romans 12, and he would say, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. So I want to get, that guy hurt me, I want to hurt them. They posted about me, I want to post about them. My ex did this, I want to do this. And you're telling me, don't, right, because I'm a child of God, correct. And I'm supposed to detox all this bitterness, anger from my heart. That is right. How do you do that? Because it's years and I'm overwhelmed and I have a memory. We can forgive. It's really hard for us to forget. In fact, it's impossible. So how do I in real time do those things, right? Now, I want to show you something. It's a little bit cheesy, but you'll remember it. And this is going to help you with about 90% of what we have to do to detox our hearts, okay? So I want you to think about it in this way. When we have offenses that happen to us, they build up into anxieties, okay? And what happens is they wait up they, they pile up. It's rarely like one thing that causes this massive issue in our life and, and a relationship. Usually it's about 5,000 things that boil up over time and 10 years later, I don't know, we just don't love each other anymore. I just don't want to see my mom, right? That's kind of the way that it plays out. So this is what it feels like. This is about, I don't know, uh, 75 pounds probably, something like that if you weigh it up. But, you know, this is a jar of marbles and it feels like this really, really big weight. But if you think about it, it's not one big weight. It's a collection of small weights, right? Now, this is what happens. When I get burdened in my heart and my heart becomes toxic, it's because I feel like the bitterness and the anger and the hurt and the pain and the wounds, they just overwhelm me. And then I'm reading, get rid of all of it. Cast all my anxiety. Don't take revenge. I'm gonna leave justice up to God. None of that feels like a doable thing a lot of times. How do you do that, right? This is how you do it. Instead of looking and saying, God, make all my pain go away and make it never come back. That's not gonna happen. If you say, I don't know, I prayed a prayer and I never thought about the person who hurt me ever again. I would look at you and say, well, pray another one about your denial. Because <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way that works at all, Right? So how do you get rid of that kind of pain? This is what you have to do. You have to reach into the jar and you have to pull out the offense. Because this, 
is my relationship with my dad. This is what he said to me that I remember. And it wounded me and it defined me and it's the statement that runs through my head again and again and again and again. Now, this is what we tend to do. I know that statement. I know what my ex said. I know when my friends stabbed me in the back what they did. If you've been hurt, you have these markers in your life and because all of us are human beings and what we do best and most frequently is sin against each other, we have these faults and offenses in our life, right? When I pull that out and I remember that thing, this is what we tend to do. We tend to say, I don't care. You know, my, he, my dad's an idiot, I don't care. Well, that's not true, or we wouldn't be talking about this, right? I don't even think about it. Think about what? In the seventh grade, when you told me I would amount to nothing, I never think about that. You, you think about that clearly or partially or in some way every day. You might have been living your life to disprove what he said. So denial isn't going to work. Stuffing it isn't going to work because it's just going to come out probably as anger towards somebody else. What do I have to do? I pull this out and I cast all of it to Christ. I could pray a prayer, Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand the depth to which this hurt me. Now here's the key, ready? I can only forgive you to the depth that I admit you hurt me. Yeah, you said it, I don't care, I told him it was fine. Well, I'm not admitting what that did. I'm not admitting how much that marked my heart, how much that governed my life. I can only forgive you to the depth that I recognize that. By the way, when I go and ask forgiveness, I can only ask forgiveness to the depth that I realize that my fault offended you. Sorry. Well, you're not. You're just passing it off. But when I look at you and say, when I treated you that way, when I was ungentle with you, when, when I was coarse with you, when I was harmful to you, I realize that robbed you of dignity, that scared you, that put you in a place that you should never been. I should have protected you like a daughter of God and I treated you. So the depth of the forgiveness and the depth of the apology goes to the depth of the offense. And until I work on that, understand how much it hurt me, and then instead of taking it and setting it aside or putting it back in my memory, what I do is I surrender it to Christ. Not Grace Church, this was just the only mug I could find. Right? I give it to Christ. And then the next time my memory kicks in, not only did he say this, he said that. Holy Spirit, would you bring about healing and help, self-control? 
would you help me to rid this from my heart and I entrust it not to all these other mechanisms, I entrust it to the only one who can bring healing and the only one who can bring justice to it. And as I go through that relationship and I find these pieces and parts, I give them to the Lord. Now sometimes this is a very long process because I didn't even know how much that wounded me or marked me. So I, I got to figure it out and surface it and bring it out, but I, then I, I surrender it. I rid myself of it. Sometimes this is a process that comes like in forms of a list. There's been times in my life that, that I've been stressed out, maxed out. I had to do this this summer. I was stressed out, maxed out, kind of beat up. COVID was rough, right? And if you were leading anything during COVID, it was rough. And so that weight had built up in my heart, snapped at Heidi, just pray for Heidi. <laughs> she looked at me lovingly. She's like, I'm not sure what your problem is, but it's not me. So why don't you go think and pray and be by yourself? So I did. I made a list of everything I could think of that stressed me, caused me anxiety, caused me offense throughout the last 12 months of COVID. It's four pages long. I asked the Holy Spirit to bring that to my mind. And then it looked like this. God, all these things, I, 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 I surrender that to you. Didn't take me years, took me an afternoon. But, but I had to go through the work because I just thought, I, I'm mad at Heidi, I'm mad at that person, I'm mad at the church, I'm mad at the government, I'm mad at whatever, life. Because I wouldn't take the time to make allowances and to offer forgiveness. So sometimes this happens like in spurts, right? And you can work through. Sometimes it takes me forever to find that marble, but I don't entrust it to my understanding. I don't entrust it to my mechanisms or definitions of justice. I cast it to the Lord. I move it out of me and onto him because he will care for it. He will heal it and he will do it all correctly. He will do it justly. I will probably blow up on you like you blew up on me. But if I can operate as a prisoner of the Lord, talked about this last weekend, and God is defining me and God is directing me, and I can understand that he forgives me. He lavishes his grace and mercy on me. If I can download that, get my head around it, understand what's happened in my relationship with you, and they begin to release that piece by piece. This 10 pound jar becomes an eight pound jar, becomes a seven pound jar. And freedom, freedom starts to mark my life. Healing, 
starts to mark my relationships, right? Because I'm dealing with the faults, the offenses, and the anxieties. Right? Now, about 90% made the number up. Let's just call it 90% of our faults and our offenses and our anxieties can be dealt with that way. Most of the things we get frustrated with each other about are petty. And the longer you're in a relationship with somebody, the more apt that is apt to be true, right? You're just kind of getting on my nerves, right? There is also the question that applies to some of us, what I'll just call the last 10%, and it's this question, well, how do I deal with the unforgivable? Because like Jeff, th this wasn't like my dad said something. This was like our life together. This wasn't like my, my ex is a jerk. He's like harming my children. This person robbed me of my dignity. They abused me. They abandoned me. They hurt me. I'm, even if I could find that marble, I'm not sure I could pick it up. So how do we deal with the unforgivable, right? Okay, ready? I wanna give you a principle and then I wanna make you an offer, okay? I wanna give you a principle and then I wanna make you an offer. Here's the principle. This is not a golden egg that's gonna solve all of your deep wounds. This is just a principle that we're gonna try to live in. Okay, and then I'm gonna make you an offer. Here's the principle. The principle, when something unforgivable happens to me, is this, to seek to be defined by your future, not your past. That's the principle. And when I'm thinking about what to do, instead of looking back, I'm gonna to try to look ahead if I have chosen the Jesus path. And who does Christ say that I am? Paul, back in Colossians, says this, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Here's the principle. The principle is this. When I come to Jesus and I ask the forgiveness of my sin and I surrender my life to God's definition and direction, I'm not defining my life anymore, Jesus is. When that happens, the Bible says I'm reborn, that I move from spiritual death to spiritual life, that the old is gone and the new is come. Here's the principle. The principle is this, that when I look at myself, I look at myself through the lenses of God, not through the lenses of the people who hurt me. The people who hurt me looked at me and they said, you know what? You're not, you're not valuable enough to have human dignity. So I'm going to use you. That's your past. When God looks at you, he says, you are completely and totally valuable. You are my daughter. You are my son. So much so that I will make you a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The people back here would say, you're a victim and I'm going to hurt you and abuse you to control you and to define me. Jesus would say, you're a victor. 
If I'm before you, nobody can be against you. That's who you are now. You are someone that I use and abuse. You are someone that I love and value. So the principle is that when I'm looking at my life and I'm mapping my way forward and I'm dealing with my past, I'm dealing with that from the position of Christ transforming me, not from a powerless victimized position. That's the principle that you want to work with when the unforgivable happens. Now, I want to make you an offer. And the offer that I want to give you is the offer of a conversation. Because that principle brought into real time life is very, very difficult. 90% the marbles, like you'll remember that. I'm losing my marbles to Jesus. See, it's cheesy, but you'll remember it, right? The unforgivable, I can believe this and agree with this, but the pain, the wounds, the scarring, Guys, listen, when I lay out a principle from God's word that applies to 90% of us 90% of the time, it's truth. And when you hear that and you've been deeply hurt and somebody's done the unforgivable for you, I don't sense that you're fighting the truth. I sense that you don't know how to apply it. And what you wanna do, but we don't, is you kinda wanna raise your hands and say, Jeff, is there a way that I could download my story? Because I don't know what this means in my situation. Like I wanna forgive, but they're dangerous. I, I, I wanna be patient, but they're aggressive. I, 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 wanna, I wanna be loving, but whenever they're near me, it, tr it triggers my trauma. And what I would say to you guys is I, under, I understand and God understands, God gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you the Holy Word of God and he gives you the holy people of God. And sitting down with a spiritual leader, a Christ following counselor who helps you understand like wh why am I sitting down with a pastor, sitting down with a, with a life group leader and walking through the nuances and the details of your pain and bringing the scripture to bear, not changing the scripture, the unique application that plays out in your life because of your story is critical, right? And that's scary. It's scary to lay out your story when you've been abused and you're abandoned. Trust me, I know. It's scary to go to a counselor and to seek those wounds and to figure that stuff out. Trust me, I know. Right. And it's scary to give up that control to Christ because you've built really sophisticated and sometimes pretty effective defense mechanisms that make that pain go away. And they trust God to cast that anxiety on him, to let him be the distributor of justice. 
Trust me, I know, I know. But there is freedom and there is healing and there is help. And the Holy Spirit empowering God's holy word through his people can cause enormous changes and benefits and healing and help in your life. So there's a principle and there's an offer, right? And if we can help you, if we can direct you, if we can come along beside you, sometimes that's what we need the most, okay? So 90%, just lose your marbles. Just lose your marbles. Give them to God. He can handle it, right? 10%, remember who you are in Christ. Let that be the definition of how you move forward, right? But be aware, you're probably gonna need some help with it. And we would love to connect you and help you and love you in those things, all right? Now, I am so excited to share something that is radical and life-changing and countercultural and mind-bending and an alternative to bitterness. And when we get together next weekend, you're gonna love that conversation. It's gonna be awesome, all right? All right. The band's gonna come out and uh, they'll have to rearrange the stage here a little bit. But maybe we can pray. Maybe bow our heads, close our eyes for a minute. Maybe just ask you a couple questions, right? I wonder if you have some marbles you need to lose. Some allowances. Some offenses. Some anxieties. Right, and they're weighing you down. Stuff gets heavy. It gets heavy fast. And the more and the quicker you hand those to Christ, even pray, Holy Spirit, would you show me? What what am I so tense and worried and would you show me? He'll do that. He's our helper. And then Jesus, would you take it? Would you forgive me? Would you help me? And would you take it, God? And I'm gonna trust your hand and your judgment above my own. Maybe ask God to help you discover and claim this new identity. That is not self-help, that is not raw, raw speech, that is the word of God. It's what God says about you in him. And it is hard, especially when your trust has been broken and your dignity has been robbed and you've been used and tossed aside your whole life to actually believe there's a heavenly father who loves you and values you and proclaims these things about you. And then, guys, maybe just admitting that you need help. And trying just for a minute to get the defenses down, 
to not feel defeated or weak, but to look at a brother or a sister in Christ and say, could you help me? Walk me through. Help me to figure some stuff out. And God gives us each other. And everything from like a professional to a, a friend. He gives us each other. Right? And these unforgivable things, God wants to set you free. And he wants to bring healing into your life. So Jesus, all of this is from you and for you and because of you. And so would you just connect us to you? <laughs> And the more deeply we connect to you and the more we trust you and the more we understand you, God, and the depth of your love for us, the breadth of your love for us, the, the unending nature of your love for us, God. You, you believe things about us that we don't believe, that we can't comprehend, but our value and our worth are measured in the giving of your son. Would you let us see that? Like you are gracious and quick to forgive, would you help us to be gracious, quick to forgive? And all of it, Jesus, would you just tie us closer and closer to your heart? <laughs>